From naked transsexuals on the front lawn of the White House to cocaine being found within, the Biden administration has wasted no time turning the presidency into a debaucherous laughingstock. But guys, it's not all bad. The Sound of Freedom, an anti-child trafficking movie, has made positive waves, so naturally the entire mainstream media is against it. Another man has won a women's beauty pageant, and a lot more has happened as we delve further and further into the clown world. Welcome back to another episode of Rapid Fire. My name is Savannah Hernandez. Thank you guys so much for being patient with me as I was on my three-week hiatus. I promise you that I wasn't doing the show because I wasn't working. It was actually the opposite. I went back-to-back trips. I was in New York and Los Angeles within the span of a week and guess what my immune system couldn't take it and uh it just went kaput so um that was a lot of fun for me now i'm having some technical issues today so the show is kind of getting off to a rough start i apologize for you to you guys here um but we're gonna get going and while i figure out my computer situation i'm gonna talk to you guys about what i have been up to over the past couple of weeks because as you all know I have been gone for quite a bit of time. Now, like I just said, I have been absolutely all over the place. Okay, let me just restore this here for a second. I apologize, guys. You know, I've been gone for so long that my computer doesn't want to work either. So it's just giving me the most difficult time possible. Super fun for me, but it is what it is. You live and you learn. Here we go. So... We started off, all right, my friends, we started off our journey through Pride Month in Los Angeles, okay? And I was on the ground covering the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence at the Dodgers game because the Dodgers were honoring them as their special guests. And guess what? A lot of Catholics were not happy about that. And it was actually incredible to see based Catholics absolutely shut down the entire area. Okay, I'm glad you guys were able to watch me um, pull up that entire computer screen. Let's get back into the show if you're a podcast listener. Sorry about that. Having some technical difficulties because unlike me, my computer doesn't want to work. All right, let's get back into it. Now I've been gone for a couple of weeks and I have been very, very busy as many of you know. I was on the ground for, again, Thousands of Catholics shutting down the main entrance to Dodger Stadium. Quite an iconic thing to witness, if I do say so myself. I'm just going to play a little bit. I've been away. Again, I'm sorry we haven't done the show in so long. Um But I was on the ground, and it was absolutely amazing because outside of the stadium, you had thousands of people protesting the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, which were a drag group, right, that dressed as nuns that made fun of the Christian Catholic faith that mocked Christ. So the base Catholics went and shut them down. And then we go into the inside of the stadium and the sisters are introduced to an absolutely empty stadium. Nobody was there to support them. The Dodgers specifically introduced them before 
the game was supposed to start almost an hour before the game was supposed to start before anybody was actually there. So absolutely incredible thing to witness. And then I made my way over to New York City. Now, uh, something that I want to note about last month, about Pride Month, is that my reporting has never come under so much attack. Let me actually take this down because we don't need to see fat naked people um, longer than we need to. So when I went to Dodger Stadium, I had so many people attacking my footage because I put up the the footage of the absolutely empty stadium that the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence were introduced to. And the reason I highlighted that the stadium was empty is because there was thousands of Catholics who were already protesting in the heat for two hours prior to the game starting, two hours prior to this ceremony, during Pride Night, which only happens once a year at Dodger Stadium, no one showed up for these debaucherous sisters. And what ended up happening? A lot of people on Twitter began calling me a liar and a false reporter because I didn't say that the stadium was empty because the game hadn't started yet. And so apparently that was extremely misleading. Now, I went to Pride in New York City. And by the way, I even clarified that for people because I was like, OK, people are confused. Um, let me clarify for you. The Dodgers specifically introduced these people because nobody likes them and when I tell you they had a plethora, okay, there was like 20 police officers that were escorting these um, fake nuns out to be given this award and to be honored by the Dodgers because they were so worried there was going to be an uproar and it ended up being like two angry elderly people who were booing them, which was absolutely hilarious. So the reporting came under attack for that. And then I went to Pride in New York City. Now, this was absolutely horrific, okay? When I tell you guys I have PTSD from Pride Month this year, I'm not exaggerating. After New York City Pride, I closed my eyes and all I could see was naked fat people. It was horrific. Now, I went to two events. The first event was the Dyke March, and this was a march. It's called the Dyke March. That's what they called themselves, all right? And it devolved into women stripping their clothes off and playing in a fountain in front of children. And then I went to the Pride March and we saw very similar things. So this was this happened on Saturday and Sunday. All I did was simply go to a Pride event and film their own event. Now, the LGBTQ community got extremely upset about this and said that I was lying because I was absolutely horrified that there were children present at this event where naked adults were stripping in a fountain and making out with each other and essentially having sex. It was horrific, right? And so I had this uh, Redux writer named Shay here who goes, there's no kids in this video when there's clearly a child two seconds in. Um, I also took a video in within 15 minute span of putting the first one up and there were multiple children there in this fountain in front of these naked adults. And it was just absolutely horrific. So again, the reporting came under fire. And I just wanted to start out the show with one of recap of where I've been. I'm sorry it's been so long. If you guys aren't following me on Twitter, I suggest that you do that so you can keep up with my work when I don't have time to do the show because you can see all of my live reporting there. But my reporting has never been under such attack as it was during Pride Month. And I thought that that was very interesting that you're not allowed to go to Pride events and simply record what these adults are doing in front of kids and show the world what's happening or show the world that these sisters of perpetual indulgence, who we all told were very supported and were very great members of the California community, um, 
actually aren't supported at all. If you actually go and show that people call you a liar and they attack your integrity and they attack your reporting. So one thing I don't like is being called a liar as a journalist, especially by people who don't have the want to actually go out on the ground and show others what's going on. So it was just funny to me uh, that even, you know, the woman that said that there were no kids in my New York City Pride video, she lived in Ireland. And in her own Twitter bio, she says that she fights for children. However, she has no issue because she's a feminist with women stripping naked in front of kids uh, because maybe it's women's rights for the nipple. So it's okay in that instance. I'm not sure. But again, don't come for my reporting. And if you want to criticize me and the work that I do, then get your ass outside and go report. But guess what? You don't. You know what people do? They all comment on my reporting because they're not getting off their lazy butts and going out and freaking putting their health on the line. You know what happened after I got that shot? Which, by the way, I can't play here on YouTube because it's filled with naked people. Um, I can't even just say women, right? This was like naked men, naked women. It was disturbing. Pride as a whole was disturbing for everybody involved. Uh, can't play the videos here, but if you guys want to go see what I looked at and experienced, you can go see that on Twitter. But even to get the shot, I went into this fountain, right? This is in Washington Square Park in New York City. Y'all don't know what I go through to get the shot sometimes. I went into this fountain, which, by the way, this park in New York City, it's crime-ridden. It's horrific. It's riddled with drugs. So a lot of the time, drug users kind of use this fountain as a bathing area. It's not very sanitary water. I went full into the fountain to get the shot. Shot came out great, went extremely viral. We were able to show what was going on there. But I got extremely sick immediately after. So that's why I've been gone for the past three weeks. Um, on top of that, what else came out of our June reporting? If you guys remember the story that I broke about Emma Farnan, who was the transgender rugby player that was going to be competing against women in the uh, PR7s that was making its way here to Austin, Texas, he was removed from the roster after our story got a quarter million views. Now I reached out to the PR at seven CEOs because uh, just a quick recap, if you guys didn't hear about this story, um, Emma Farnan, biological male, the world rugby guidelines say, Hey, if you're a dude, you're not allowed to play against biological women because rugby is a very uh, violent contact sport and men can very severely hurt women because of the testosterone in their body, because of the difference in bone density, size, height, yada, yada, yada. So the PR7 CEO, uh, Owen Scannell, completely overlooked this, put the expose out, Emma Farnan taken off the roster. Now, as you guys can see, uh, Farnan was number 13 there on the website after our expose, number 13 just magically disappeared and we did not see Emma Farnan playing. So that was all of the June reporting. We are now into July and we are going to be focusing in on what's been going on, some of the more up-to-date news because Pride Month is over. Thank God. And I think it ended spectacularly as well. Um, <clears throat> NBC News was absolutely roasted for this. Uh, the coming for your children chant has been used for years at Pride events, according to longtime March attendees and gay rights activists who said it's one of many pro provocative expressions used to regain control of slurs against LGBTQ people. Now, Pride Month was 
awesome this year. And let me tell you why. Because for the first time ever, we saw an incredible pushback by Americans. We saw corporations who faced the consequences of backing people like Dylan Mulvaney or putting LGBTQ uh, kids-focused products at the center of their stores. We saw Target lose billions. We saw Bud Light continue to lose billions. To this day, they're not doing well. They're an absolute laughing stock. They destroyed their brand. We saw uh, people come out against the LGBTQ community and say, you know what? We were all about being accepting and loving and fine and inclusive, but guess what? You guys went too far. You came after our kids. You're pushing this down our throat. We're done with it. So we saw really intense pushback for the first time um, since I've been focused in on Pride Month, and it's been an absolutely amazing thing to see. And then, of course, you have the media coming out and saying, oh, well, um, Pride Month was always about coming for your children. No, parents are getting angry. Parents are upset. They are really focused and paying attention now to what their children are learning in schools, what their children are being exposed to at these Pride events. Uh, people across the world were absolutely shocked and horrified because it wasn't just New York City where you had nude adults playing and fondling each other in front of children. It was also Seattle. It was also Toronto. So adults getting very angry about this and calling for some normalcy, calling for some decency once again, which is going to be hard to, to uh, get here in the United States when you have the Bidens running a debaucherous White House. We'll get into that here in a moment. Now, some up-to-date news. Sound of Freedom, okay? This movie, an anti-child trafficking movie, has been making some serious waves in the media. And why might that be? Well, the Rolling Stone says it's because it's a QAnon-tinged thriller about child trafficking, and it's designed to appeal to the conscience of a conspiracy-addled boomer. The actual title of this article reading, Sound of Freedom is a superhero movie for dots with brainworms. Then we go to The Guardian, and The Guardian says, Sound of Freedom is a QAnon-adjacent thriller seducing America. So on top of that, okay, we have The Guardian coming out and calling this a QAnon movie. We have The Rolling Stone coming out and saying, uh, you only like this movie if you're QAnon-adjacent and have brain worms. And then you had CNN even slandering this movie as something that we should not watch, as something that we should look the other way at because it's um, a MAGA cult movie about QAnon conspiracy theories. Here is CNN's take on an anti-child trafficking movie. In terms of child trafficking, we know trafficking is real. We know it has real victims. No one is denying that. But these films are created out of moral panics. They're created out of bogus statistics. They're created out of fear. And with something like Sound of Freedom, it specifically is looking at QAnon concepts of these child trafficking rings that are run by the high-level elites and only people like Tim Ballard and only people like Jim Caviezel. And by extension, only people like the ticket buyer can help bring these trafficking rings down. Okay, so that was CNN. We're not surprised the entirety of the media coming after this movie. So let's just quickly go to the Sound of Freedom's website and actually take a peek at what this movie is. 
okay? Um, <clears throat> so The Sound of Freedom is a true story film that exposes the darkness of child trafficking. A federal agent saves a boy from traffickers, but his sister is still captive. He embarks on a dangerous mission, risking his life to free her from a fate worse than death. So this is a movie about child trafficking, which, by the way, did fabulously in its opening day and in its first week. From the post-millennial, Sound of Freedom is a smashing success projected to earn over $40 million in opening week. Now, the post-millennial talks about how their opening day was absolutely incredible. Um, on July 4th, there were sold out theaters. The numbers exceeded expectations uh, per the head of their distribution studio. They garnered $14 million on the day of its release. Keep in mind, this isn't a big Hollywood box office film like the Barbie movie that's been getting marketing for months at this point and has, you know, Margot Robbie as their biggest star. No, this is kind of an indie film that was based off of a true story that is focused in on child trafficking. And of course, the media's first response to it is to label it as a QAnon-esque, QAnon-adjacent thriller movie. Now, I listened to that full CNN clip, right, because I wanted to understand where this sentiment of it being QAnon-adjacent was coming from. And it's because they were saying, um, the director was talking about how you know, children's organs or children's blood being drank are some of the things that he witnessed. So CNN went ahead and chopped that up to, uh, you know, being a crazy conspiracy theory. Now in the post-millennial as well, they go a little bit deeper into what this film is. And um, Tim Ballard, so he started an organization to fight child sex trafficking in, in Colombia. Okay. So, my favorite part about the left wing and a lot of political commentators is that they'll commentate and they'll criticize the real life work that other people are doing. So Rolling Stone, The Guardian, CNN are all commentating on the real life story of a man who went into Colombia, put his life on the line to save 55 children, 123 people in total. And they're, they're writing it off and laughing it off as a conspiracy theory movie. Absolutely disgusting. That's the state of the media. Now, just to get into what a little bit of this movie entails, uh, Tim Ballard said, so I might say something like, they take these children because witch doctory is a very real thing. They take their organs, they take their blood, they drink it, they take the genitalia of children. These are real things. So... The former government agent who went and rescued children from child trafficking in Colombia and witnessed witch doctors taking their organs and their blood and using it for ritualistic satanic purposes is highlighting the reality of what's happening in the world. And then the mainstream media losers who have never done anything with their life of purpose except criticize the real valid and heroic work of other people like Tim Ballard write it off as a joke. Now, my favorite part about this is that Americans have really shown up for this movie and they've been extremely critical of these type of takes. So again, with the Rolling Stone, uh, I commented here, I said, we get it, you're pedophiles. This comment garnered 34,000 likes. Their original post has a little bit over 4,800. 
So again, that's not me speaking. That's America speaking. Okay, Rolling Stone, we get it. You're pedophiles. Jack Posobiec points out from The Guardian that back in 2018, they were highlighting child sex trafficking rife in Colombia's picturesque Cartagena. I probably pr pronounced that horribly. Please forgive me. The Guardian now in 2023. The Sound of Freedom is a QAnon-adjacent thriller seducing America. Uh, Jim... Caviezel stars as a hero trying to stop child traffickers in a paranoid new movie because, yes, uh, child trafficking, we can just go ahead and chop that up to paranoia. And you know who's saying that um, it's just paranoia? Probably childless loser leftists who've never done anything with their life, like create a child or get married or start a family. Now, again, <clears throat> the reason I know that these aren't uh, paranoia, QAnon, conspiracy-riddled claims that are coming out of this movie focused in on a very heroic effort of saving children uh, are because of things like this. Let's not forget that the Biden administration lost over 85,000 migrant children. Our border's been wide open. And um, members of HHS under the Biden administration have been asked why they have not been able to contact or keep accounted for the 85,000 children that have come across the open southern border. If you guys remember, I interviewed a whistleblower who worked for one of these companies that was responsible for uh, transporting children throughout the United States of America. I want to say trafficking because that is essentially what it is. They take an undocumented child that doesn't have parents, and then these nonprofit companies that are funded with federal taxpayer dollars then put the kids on planes or trains or buses. They send them off to unvetted sponsors who the kids themselves have admitted they do not know. And then nobody ever hears from the child again. And then we're starting to see stories about how children are working dangerous jobs in the United States of America. And just to really try to dispel um, the QAnon ties to any of this here is the new york times which by the way my same whistleblower who came out about the largest migrant hotel in new york city the new york times reached out to him because they are also investigating the organizations that are funding all of this and are bringing in all of these illegal immigrants allowing them to stay in our country on our dime and by the way too um let's talk about children being in unsavory situations my own whistleblower working at this hotel said that children are getting drunk and their parents will leave them in this hotel for upwards of a week now the new york times has reached out to this whistleblower and get again going into this article about the eighty-five thousand children that are unaccounted for in joe biden's america uh this was marcia blackburn who was at the forefront of questioning about where these these uh children have gone. And uh, her letter followed a New York Times report detailing a rise in child exploitation where children are forced into the labor force, sometimes to pay back their smuggling costs. The Times reported that while HHS checks on all minors by calling them a month after being released to sponsors, data shows that over the last two years, the agency could not reach more than 85,000 of them and lost immediate contact with a third of migrant children. But yeah, it's just a paranoid conspiracy theory theory that children are being trafficked uh, throughout this country. It's just absolutely horrific to me. Now, I also stumbled upon this thread as well, because let's not forget that child trafficking isn't just a modern day problem. It's also something that we have seen historically. And I was reading about the finders 
which was allegedly a CIA-run organization that kidnapped children from daycares, locked them in cages on a farm in Virginia, subjected them to satanic ritual abuse, had them participate in orgies, blood rituals, and the sacrifice of other children, and then sold them as sex slaves overseas. The FBI discovered this during an investigation. What did they do? They covered it up. Now, this is a story about the finders, which dates back to 1987, okay? Now, I saw this this thread and I was like, ah, that's a pretty crazy claim. And I wouldn't put it past our government not to do that because it's our government and they're already trying to uh, cover up all of the child trafficking that has happened under their administration just with the open southern border. Um, but this comes from at will save the kids on Twitter. And I would highly recommend that you guys go and read through this thread if you think any of this is crazy, because he links articles, he links the actual FBI quotes and documents from this investigation, quote from the FBI files, specially trained government kidnappers with top clearance and protection in their assigned task of stealing children, torturing and sexually abusing them, involving them in satanic orgies, bloody rituals and murder of other children. And then he goes ahead and he links the actual government documents in this thread there's also multiple news articles from uh, again the 80s from the 90s that were detailing all of this that happened so our government involved in covering this up our media which is essentially the propaganda arm of this administration coming after an anti-child sex trafficking movie. It's just really interesting how that all coincides. Now, another thing that happened while we were away is a federal judge limited uh, Biden officials' contact with social media sites. Fortunately, there's a paywall on this article, but I read it earlier and it basically talked about how uh, the attorney generals of Missouri and Louisiana claimed that the administration was si trying to silence critics on social media, right? That um, we had various officials in the FBI, maybe the DOJ, maybe the Biden administration, who when an unsavory story came out, maybe about the first son being an absolute crackhead and his laptop coming out, and that story dropping a couple months before the election, the members of said administration would just kind of reach out on behalf of the government and say, hey, that's misinformation. Go ahead and uh, take that down. Go ahead and make sure nobody reads that. And then we find out two years later, it was all absolutely true. And then Americans are polled about whether or not they would have voted for the Bidens if they knew that was true. And a lot of them said, yeah, I probably wouldn't have if I knew the first son was a damn crackhead. But here we are. Uh, let's not forget too, all of the people who were censored off of Twitter before Elon Musk took over, myself being one of them. Why? Because we had the audacity to tell the truth about what was going on. You had people like Project Veritas and James O'Keefe that were completely obliterated and wiped off the face of the earth because they allowed Americans to hear from the mouths of the very CEOs and leaders of various companies. They allowed us to hear from their own mouths the corruption that was coming out of those companies. Independent media was becoming so powerful that the government came in and censored all of us. That's on record. It's not a conspiracy theory. It happened. And now the Biden administration is trying to appeal this because they don't like that they're not allowed to tell social media sites who they can and cannot silence. From DC Drano, 
federal judge saying that the government can't coordinate with big tech to censor the free speech of Americans. The Biden regime is now appealing that. He says the only reason they're appealing is because they want to censor millions of Americans before the 2024 election cycle. He finishes that off saying they are tyrants, pure and simple, which, you know, really interesting too, because you have some people saying that, um, of course, the Biden administration still wants to use censorship to silence people into being able to speak to one another. And you know what? It's absolutely true. Like, what am I even talking about here? Look at the economy for crying out loud. Uh, Biden comes forward on Twitter and goes, yeah, everything in the economy is doing great. Nobody's struggling. And then he gets brutally fact-checked. I mean, the amount of times Biden has gotten community noted on Twitter and basically ratioed because he's called out on his lies has been absolutely incredible to witness. You know, if I was Biden, I'd be doing this too. So this is a clip from the end of June of Joe Biden on a live MSNBC segment, just getting up and walking away. But you know what? This is what this whole, this man should do for the entirety and sake of America is just get up and walk away because he's a disgrace. Uh, yes, he did this because he's in cognitive decline. He has no idea what is going on. But again, the United States right now is an absolute laughingstock and the White House is just a cesspool of debauchery. Now let's get into what else has been going on. And you guys already know what I'm going to be alluding to. And I'm sorry if this is a big recap of news that you've already heard. I've been gone for a while. So I'm trying to pepper in up-to-date news and also some of the biggest things that we've missed. Because I want to commentate on the fact that what the hell is going on in the White House, okay? What is going on over there? So first we have the naked trannies in June, right? That were just desecrating the front lawn of the White House, all right? So first... It was naked trannies. And then we go into July. And then we have Secret Service investigating who brought cocaine into the White House. Now, the funniest thing about this story is that we may never know who brought this cocaine into the White House. Okay, This cocaine was discovered, uh, I believe it was a day after July 4th. And we may never know whose cocaine it was. It's just such a mystery to me. I mean, it definitely wasn't um, the first son known crackhead who has been on multiple videos and photos um, sniffing cocaine off of a hooker's ass multiple times. Not the guy in this video right here who looks cracked out out of his mind. Pardon me if I'm being vulgar with the language today, my friends. But I'm sorry, you know, if I was a betting man, I would say that a Hunter Biden who looks like freaking Ray Liotta at the end of Goodfellas here when his life starts spiraling because he starts using his own cocaine. That's how Goodfellas ends, one of my favorite movies. It looks like Henry Hill here, all right? When he's about to get cracked by the feds, when he's trying to keep up his addiction and sell cocaine on the side and it gets too much and he's just spiraling and he's got that those clammy hands and his skin looks kind of gray. That's what Hunter Biden looks like in this clip. But I guess we'll never know. I guess we'll never know. Was it Joe Biden? The guy that can't coherently form a sentence and doesn't know what's going on? Was it the former crackhead who currently looks like he's cracked out right now and has had a history of uh, cocaine addiction? 
Or maybe it's Kamala Harris. Maybe that's why she sounds so incoherent and dumb all the time. Let's check in on Kamala real fast. Did Kamala do the cocaine? Let's listen to Kamala talk. This was from last week. Maybe it was Kamala who did the coke, guys. She accidentally left a little baggie of treats. And it was found. Whoopsies. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Let's check in on Kamala. How is she doing? Did Kamala do the cocaine? Tell us, Kamala. Well, I think culture is... It, it is a reflection of our moment and our time, right? And, and, and present culture is the way we express how we're feeling about the moment. And, and we should always find times to express how we feel about the moment that is a reflection of joy because, you know, it comes in the morning. <laughs> we have to find ways to also express the way we feel about the moment. Okay, I'm going to venture to say that Kamala wasn't the one doing the cocaine. Or maybe she already did so much cocaine that her brain cells are fried. And uh, that's our vice president. It's an absolute disgrace. It's a joke. And thank God affirmative action was overturned. So we don't have to see people like uh, Kamala Harris or Karine Jean-Pierre. Well, I guess in colleges or universities, sadly, the entire affirmative action process is still very much instilled into all of our government institutions and corporations. We will be going over at the end of the show, you know, um, a lot of those decisions that were made by SCOTUS. Again, old news, but I'll kind of brush through, give my commentary. If you guys haven't been paying attention to what's been going on, which you know what, I wouldn't blame you. To be quite honest, I go through bouts of being bored with politics, not because it's boring, but because I'm like, another day, another Hunter Biden crackhead story. Another day, another Joe Biden walking off of a set and not knowing where he is. Another day, another debaucherous White House. Another day, another affirmative action hire ruining the United States of America. It is what it is. I've accepted our fate. Now, speaking of affirmative action hires, now, Karine Jean-Pierre, poor little thing, was asked about the cocaine in the White House. This is how she responded, guys. Thank you. If the uh, Secret Service determines uh, the, who brought the uh, cocaine into the White House, does the White House support the prosecution of this individual? I'm just not going to get into hypotheticals from here. Let, let the Secret Service do their job. It's under their purview. We are confident that they'll get to the bottom of it. I'm just not going to get ahead of this right this time. She's just not going to get ahead of it this time, guys. Now, you know what I'm going to say. You know what I'm going to do. You know the comparisons I'm going to make. If there was even a semblance of any type of white powder, okay, it could have been Donald Trump making cookies with Barron in the White House kitchen. And if the media just even had a an inkling that there was even a drop of baking soda that, soda that could potentially be cocaine in the White House. They would be all over that like white on rice, like Hunter Biden in a freaking pile of cocaine, okay? They would be all over that hoe. But because it's Joe Biden, this is how the media responds, okay? This is CNN's response to cocaine being in the White House, which again, it's like, you know what? It's just a debaucherous White House. We've already had naked trannies. We've already had, you know, the first son being an absolute crackhead. We have, um, it's just, you have Kamala. We all know how she got into the power position that she's in. 
very sordid history. Even Jill and Joe Biden's relationship and how they came to be was very uh, filled with scandals. Joe Biden himself filled with scandals. So it's just like the Sodom and Gomorrah of White Houses. It's like, can you get any more uh, debaucherous than this? And you know, I'm just going to venture to say, that if Kamala was on cocaine, uh, she'd probably have more to say and she wouldn't be so slow at articulating the three thoughts she has in her brain if she was on cocaine. Also, Joe Biden, you put him in the room with uh, like maybe the leader of China and the leader of Russia. Uh, you think that even on cocaine, he'd be able to keep up with those two other world leaders? No, he has no idea what's going on. Give that man cocaine. He's out cold. We don't have a president anymore. All right. His little frail heart couldn't handle it. So anyways... If there was even an inkling of a thought that there was an illicit substance in the White House, okay, CNN, MSNBC would talk about how this was a destruction to our democracy, how America is over, how we are a laughingstock on the world stage, how it's just done. You know what? It just destroy America as a whole. It, it just burn the whole country down. We're, we're not coming back from this. But because it's Joe Biden, this is the response. No one was injured. As far as Thank we know, friend. and it's an illicit drug at the White House. <laughs> Why can't you actually have a bit of fun with it? I don't believe in fun. No, he doesn't. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. This is CNN News Central. In <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us, everyone. This is CNN. Uh, we do cocaine here all the time. Uh, yeah, it's just a little bit of fun, guys. But also, if Donald Trump gets back into office and we even smell an inkling of an illicit substance, we will impeach him, we will indict him, we will ruin his life. And also, if you support him, we will track you down on social media and ruin your life, too. Thanks for watching. <laughs> That's the mainstream media. Uh, by the way, an Arizona GOP lawmaker apparently retweeted <clears throat> a thread that showed the Hunter Biden laptop photos. And there were some X-rated pictures of Hunter Biden. And now she is being investigated for potentially violating the state's revenge porn law. A lot of people highlighting how Hunter Biden can pose provocatively with children, how he can um, do illicit substances while driving just, you know, do illegal substances in general, but because he's the first son, it's totally fine. We're not going to investigate Hunter, but if you retweet the evidence of him doing said things, we're going to investigate you. And let's not forget as well that um, Hunter Biden basically got away with uh, a lot of his crimes, whether that had to do with the Bidens taking I don't know, maybe 10 million in bribes from the Chinese or from, I think it was actually Ukrainian officials. We went over the story. Sorry, it's been three weeks. I've been focused in on Pride here. But uh, before Pride Month in our last show, we were talking about how there might have been a $10 million bribe to the Bidens. I believe it was from um, the Ukrainians. And then um, promptly, Joe Biden, who was vice president at the time, had the Ukrainian prosecutor that was investigating the business that gave the bribe to the Bidens fired. But Hunter Biden, you know, it's just like the DOJ just went ahead and overlooked that. He got a little slap on the hand. And let's not forget the special treatment that Hunter Biden got. I, I never reported on this. So again, this is kind of older news, but still a good report from CBS, which this is mainstream news, talking about an IRS whistleblower who is discussing how the DOJ shielded Hunter Biden and blocked an investigation of Joe Biden. Gary Shapley was a lead IRS supervisory agent in Operation Sportsman, the investigation into Hunter Biden. 
Shapley said he uncovered conduct that warranted more serious charges. There were personal expenses that were taken as business expenses, prostitutes, sex club memberships, hotel rooms for purported drug dealers. How much did Hunter Biden owe in taxes? So from 2014 to 2019, it was $2.2 million. The back taxes were paid off. And last week, the Trump-appointed U.S. attorney in Delaware, David Weiss, reached an agreement with Hunter Biden. The president's son would admit to a firearm charge and plead guilty for his failure to pay taxes. If a judge signs off, the deal means no jail time. And Shapley told lawmakers that U.S. Attorney Weiss was blocked from bringing stronger charges. But U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland said last week that Weiss was not. I'm saying he was given complete authority to make all decisions on his own. I documented exactly what happened, and it doesn't seem to match what the Attorney General or the U.S. Attorney are saying today. Shapley provided lawmakers this contemporaneous email he wrote after an October meeting last year. Shapley says Weiss told him the opposite, that Weiss is not the deciding person on whether charges are filed. It was just shocking to me. Shapley, who is still working for the IRS, told us that even before President Biden took office, he was directed to avoid leads involving Hunter's father. There were certain investigative steps that we weren't allowed to take that could have led us to President Biden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you don't uh, pay taxes on your $600 Venmo transaction, you go straight to jail. Yeah, that's what the IRS is told to focus in on. But Hunter Biden, which, again, this story isn't even about him evading taxes. It's about a multitude of other things and what this was a cover-up for, what the DOJ was covering for. That's the real issue at hand. Now, <clears throat> we all know that there's a two-tier justice system in this country. We all know that the media works in tandem to push propaganda out. And for a long time, social media was also involved and uh, you know, big tech was involved in censoring the truth about what was actually going on in this country. And sadly, we're still seeing that go on today because, again, the debaucherous White House can't have people asking honest questions or reporting the truth about what's going on in our society. <laughs> have you guys know what's going on? Have you guys know that the economy is actually crashing, that uh, everything is not all right, that we are slowly but surely escalating our way towards World War III, that... Um, a lot of people on July 4th on the left wanted to use that day to talk about how crappy America was and call for reparations while simultaneously ignoring that, uh, you know, they probably could have had their reparations, but we sent billions of dollars to Ukraine. Just kidding. Reparations is ridiculous, but you guys already know that. Going back to what I was talking about, though, uh, Simon Ateba, he's one of my favorite White House press reporters, okay, because he actually holds Karine Jean-Pierre's feet to the fire. And of course, the White House, the debaucherous White House cannot have this. They absolutely hate anybody who pushes back on them, who asks real substantive questions. And Simon basically says that the Washington Post did a hit piece on him uh, to stop the White House from renewing his past to be able to be a part of the press. He's saying that it's taken them almost a month to even approve his application. And 
you know, he just he goes on into this long story. And it's really interesting to me because he's not even a U.S. based journalist, right? He's here trying to strengthen U.S. Africa ties with accurate and relevant information as China and Russia expand and push U.S. out, leaving me disgusted. That's what he says here. Sorry, that kind of didn't make any sense. Um, But he's basically talking about in this post about how he was trained to do his job, about how he's trying to ask accurate questions. He's trying to be a real journalist. But because of how corrupt this White House is, because of how insane our own media has become and how willing we all are to accept the propaganda as well, this type of behavior from the White House is just normal to us. A foreign reporter who is trying to just accurately report what's going on in the United States, is being pushed out of the White House for asking real questions. He says, the reason I have an audience of nearly half a million people on Twitter and reach 200 million people every month is because I grasp the fundamental secret of life. It's about the job, the people, and the betterment of humanity. He talks about how treating all individuals fairly, maintaining an open mind, and creating content that resonates with one's audience is how you get your message across. And this is why Simon, an African reporter, is more popular than the majority of the mainstream media in the United States, because he actually cares about the truth. He cares about his audience and he cares about asking real questions, uh, something that we would never expect from anybody here in the U.S. working for a mainstream media corporation, whether that's on the left or the right at this point, if I'm being honest. So prayers to Simon. Hopefully he can stay in the press pool because we need people in there asking real questions. Now, let's get into the aftermath of not just Pride Month, but of the degeneration of our society as a whole. Now, as you guys know, sadly, Pride Month does not just stay in June. This is something that has seeped into our entire society that has truly desecrated the minds of our youth. For example, from the New York Post, nearly 40% of students at Brown University identify as LGBTQ+, doubling what it was in 2010. The number of Brown University students identifying as LGBTQ has doubled since 2010, according to a new poll from the university student paper. About 38% of students at the Ivy League school identified as either homosexual, bisexual, queer, asexual, pansexual, questioning, or other. More than five times the national rate for adults not identifying as straight. Now, This goes on to say they don't know how many of the students were polled, but back in 2010, the results were much more different. And uh, the interesting part about this, too, is that the number of students identifying with other groups, because previously it was like, are you gay or lesbian? Now, if you're bisexual, that percentage has increased by 232%, and other LGBTQ plus groups rose by a collective 793%. The most common orientation was bisexual at over 53%. So there you guys go. As you guys can see, this is a fact. That's exactly what this is. The degeneracy of our culture is well underway. And again, I've talked about the subversion of cultures. I've talked about Yuri Bezmenov. I have discussed previously how, if you look back in history at um, 
various people that have been involved with foreign wars or psychological wars or how to wage a war in a country without firing a single bullet, the way you do it is via the subversion of an entire generation. So that's exactly what we're seeing now. And that's why we're seeing this unnatural uptick of our youth who are mentally ill, who are succumbing to these unnatural decisions that are being forced upon them, because to be quite honest with you, the seeds are planted in their head. A three-year-old doesn't wake up one day and say, I'm transgender. They are shown that, they are given that information, and it's absolutely horrific that that's what our children are being taught. Again, from the New York Post, TikTok brainwashed me into being transgender, and now I'm detransitioning. At age 13, Ash Eskridge was severely under the influence, but not of drugs or alcohol, but of TikTok. She says she became depressed at 12, and then she leaned on the virtual platform as an emotional crutch. She wanted to save her life. She was struggling. And so she began looking at a lot of viral hashtags, such as hashtag transgender or hashtag trans. Um, according to Pew Research, TikTok has had a massive impact on up to 67% of teens and um, the Shanghai United International School in China, China found that the digital space contains over-exaggeration content that shapes teenagers' values in a mis leading way. So this article basically goes on to talk about how influential social media is on these kids and how the transgender community basically is selling depressed teenagers, which spoiler alert, every teenager gets depressed. They go through weird life changes and they don't know how to handle it. And they go through their whole, who am I phase? And so when you have a bunch of creepy ass adults that are on social media platforms telling these kids, do you feel weird about your body? Are you a girl who like kind of feels like you're a tomboy well chop off your breast because you can turn into a boy now so this is actually a horrific story and um, this beautiful young girl basically is convinced by multiple people that she's transgender she starts undergoing um testosterone injections she is going undergoing basically like transition as a whole and then she said that it felt extremely unnatural to her her parents said she was always girly and the sad part about this story too is that her parents just supported her in it they were like okay if this is what you want honey and so she went through this whole process she you know took testosterone she changed her body and then she ended up feeling so unnatural and uncomfortable that she detransitioned she's even quoted in this article saying, I know that all of the kids who are being pushed to take part in the transgender trend definitely think they're 100% right and that it wasn't caused by TikTok because that's how I felt too. But I'd say maybe 1% of the trans teens on TikTok are actually trans. The rest are influenced, which again, look at the percentage of kids who are identifying as these fake genders and sexualities. And why is that? Because it's being injected into their brains. This is a dad a very angry father. This clip is uncensored, so I apologize for the, for the uh, vulgarities here. But this is what the average parent is having to deal with now in their everyday life with their children. Listen to this father's story. I just got off the phone with my wife, who took my nine and seven-year-old boys to the doctor today to get physicals for tackle football and school next year and all that other shit. The first, my nine-year-old son went in first, and the first thing this woman asks him is if he identifies as a boy, a girl, gender fluid, or non-binary. My son, he's never heard of any of that shit before. You've been dealing with him your whole life. He is clearly a boy's boy. 
So what are you trying to plant a fucking seed in his head? I, the only thing I could be thankful for is that my wife took them instead of me. And props to my wife because she said something. And if she didn't, they would ask my seven-year-old son the same damn question. This shit is ridiculous. And to the people out there who think that there's nothing wrong with that, and I'm just a, a, a transphobe or all that shit, you're fucked up. This is bullshit. And there's something wrong with you. Absolutely. You know, society has gotten completely out of hand. And like this father is talking about, this doctor is supposed to be giving his children physicals, but this ideology has really seeped into every facet of the medical community that we now even have the CDC giving guidance for trans people to chest feed kids. They've been accused of failing to consider the possible health risk. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention's official website published advice for trans and non-binary individuals on seeking guidance on how to chest feed their infants. Now you might say, okay, well, is this for like women that are transitioning into men? No, this is for men that are pumping their bodies full of chemicals, secreting chemical liquid from their chest and feeding it to innocent babies. Okay, that's what we're talking about here. This is the CDC that is affirming this and giving guidance on how to do this. In sections of the Major Health Institute's guidance on breastfeeding, it contained information for those who have had much of their breasts removed in gender reassignment surgeries or for biological men taking hormones to grow breasts on how to feed their newborn children. However, several doctors criticized the guidance, not simply because CDC has appeared to guide biological men in how to breastfeed children, but because they claim the CDC has failed to gauge the risk posed to children drinking milk produced by chemicals used in gender reassignment surgery. Now, I tweeted out, Men pretending to be women and feeding babies the chemical secretions from their chest is a man-made horror I wish I did not live to see. A user commented, is it gross, but are there any studies that demonstrate the milk produced is different or carries side effects that women's induced lactation doesn't have? We need science to back us up, not just our feelings about how gross it is. Now, I'm not criticizing this because I think it's gross. I'm criticizing this because I think that it's horrific that we're subjecting innocent children to this. Now, I found this thread, okay? This is from Audra Fascinelli on Twitter here an advocate for women and children's rights. She hasn't talked about drug-induced breastfeeding. This was a very big topic last week, but she decided to look up every drug listed in what biological men take to pretend to be women. And she says, let's go ahead and see exactly what that is. So prolactin, domperidone, progestin, halopin, Paradol. I can't even pronounce a lot of the chemicals that these men are injecting into their bodies. But she says, let's go through these drugs one by one. Dumperidone is an anti-nausea medication. Haloperidol is an antipsychotic drug used to treat schizophrenia. Risperidone is another antipsychotic used to treat schizophrenia. Chlorpromazine, another antipsychotic. Flufenazine is another antipsychotic. And then Metoclopramide, another 
anti-nausea medication, and finally you have prolactin and progesterone. So let's say, okay, uh, the man transitioning into a woman is only taking, let's, let's say the prolactin and progesterone. Here are the links to some of the side effects of progesterone, okay? So if you're injecting this chemical into your body, and you're creating quote unquote milk, whatever is in your body is going into that milk, right? The chemical secretion coming out of your man chest that you're trying to feed to a baby. If you talk to moms who are breastfeeding, they're very cautious of what they eat, what they put on their skin, what they're drinking, right? Breastfeeding moms don't drink alcohol because it goes into the breast milk. Breastfeeding moms aren't smoking weed because it goes into the breast milk. Very holistic breastfeeding mothers are even careful about like putting certain makeup products on their skin because they don't want carcinogenic chemicals seeping into their body and going into the breast milk, right? So that's how the body works. Usually, whatever you put into your body comes out in some way, shape, or form when it comes to the mother's breast milk. I think alcohol is the best example. You drink the alcohol, you're going to have alcohol in your milk, right? The next day. It's why a lot of moms will say pump and dump if you're a new mom. So if you're a man injecting progesterone and you have breast milk coming out of your chest, chest milk, here are some of the side effects of progesterone. Headache, breast tenderness, upset stomach, vomiting, diarrhea, constipation, muscle or joint or bone pain, mood swings, irritability, excessive worrying, sneezing, coughing, discharge, problems, urinating, breast lumps, migraine headaches, severe dizziness, slower, difficult speech, weaker numbness of an arm or leg, lack of coordination or balance, shortness of breath, fast heartbeat, sharp chest pain, coughing up blood, leg swelling or pain, loss of vision, bulging eyes, double vision, unexpected bleeding of the vagina. If you have a dick, maybe you're going to bleed out of that too. Sorry, mom. I know you don't like when I say that word. Shaking hands that you can't control, seizures, stomach pain, depression, hives, skin rash, itching. It goes on and on and on. So those are some of the side effects of progesterone. Okay. Now let's go ahead into uh, some of the other chemicals that are listed here. Domperidone was warned against by the FDA due to cardiac events in patients using it. And the drug is secreted in the breast milk with unknown consequences to the infants eating it. Again, these are all FDA linked sources as to what these chemicals do to one's body. Metoclopramide can cause involuntary muscle movements, which can be permanent in some people. So there you guys go. So to the guy who commented on my tweet and said, um, we can't be judgmental just because we think this is gross. I don't give a damn about this being gross. I give a damn about the fact that we're feeding innocent children schizophrenic medication and other types of medication that can cause severe illness, shaking, muscle spasms, bleeding, of the individual taking it, let alone an innocent child that is drinking the chemical secretions it's child abuse it's horrific all right i'm trying i'm literally not even trying to be dramatic here it's just like okay if you want to be a grown man who pretends to be a woman be my guest i don't care i'm not going to accept it i'm not going to live in your delusion but that's not what's happening in society these men are coming in they're infiltrating our spaces the medical industry has been completely taken over. So you also have them affirming all of this nonsense and innocent children are being put at risk. Look at the story we just read from the New York Post about adults who are targeting children, telling them they're transgender and telling them, yeah, you should totally do this. Look at Jeffrey Marsh, the adult who tells children, oh, if your parents don't accept you, just come to me. Just talk to me. 
you don't have to talk to your parents. Talk to me and I'll be here for you. I'll help you with your feelings. I'll help you transition. It's creepy and it's unnatural. Another way that men, transgender women, I don't even like putting them in the same category as women, just biological men pretending to be women. Another example of how they're infiltrating our spaces, okay? Because the delusion sadly extends far past young, innocent children being targeted. Uh, we had another transgender woman win a women's beauty pageant. This was Miss Netherlands. Uh, this man now has a shot at Miss Universe, the man in question. I'm not trying to be mean, but this man is ugly. I'm just going to say, I'm, I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. This man's ugly and not cute. And the fact that he has a Miss Anything title is an absolute joke, especially when this was the second runner up. Okay. Look at the two people here, okay, because one's a man and one's a woman, and just based off the photo alone, let's pretend they're both women, because having the title of Miss Universe, you know, Miss America, Miss Netherlands, usually comes with, like, being a beautiful woman as well, right, being feminine, being outwardly beautiful, it's about the celebration of women's beauty. This man ugly as hell. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it. It's just like, let me be superficial here for a moment and say what we're all thinking. Like, this hurts me deeply. It really does. And now this man has a shot at participating. Or I believe it's going to be two transgender people competing in the Miss Universe competition and they have a shot at getting the Miss Universe title. So it's just everything's an absolute joke. Um, it is what it is. I was reading this story too, funny enough, uh, because it was Miami Swim Week last week and they were called out for their lack of body diversity. Um, if you have kids watching, I apologize here for the men in the chat. You're welcome. Uh, this was some of the photos that came out of Miami Swim Week. It's basically a bunch of hot fit women with tape covering their bodies and nothing more. Okay. So of course, uh, our society, which hates the feminine figure at all, which hates fitness, absolutely despised this and said, where is the body diversity here? Because they won't be happy until every quote unquote woman modeling and holding Miss Universe and Miss America titles looks like this. So if you're a podcast listener, you're blessed because what we're looking at here um, looks like the monster from Monsters, Inc. that gets his freaking life sucked out of that lip-sucking machine. His lips are all purple and scary-looking and swollen. It's like a mix between that little monster and then maybe Kim Kardashian's ass. And um, I don't even know what else. It's I'm horrified. But anyways, this is the future the left wants for you. It's, uh, I, I'm not even going to be mad if this stream gets taken down for hate speech because I'm just being honest. I, I can't not be honest about this. Like, what is that? 
Miss Netherlands, what is that? I just, I'm going to be superficial here and say it's ugly. I don't like it. It's sad. It's a disgrace. And if we're being honest here, women are the most judgmental people, especially of other women. So do you think that if this was an actual woman, other women wouldn't be like, girl, you ugly as hell. You should not have gotten that. But no, because it's a transgender man and we all have, or sorry, transgender woman, biological man, we all have to pretend to be inclusive. So all these women just sit there and look pretty and clap. It's an absolute disgrace. Uh, by the way, MSNBC that, um, Fitness is uh, now a far-right obsession. So uh, there you guys go. Because the left wing is obsessed with everybody being fat, ugly, misshapen, degenerate, unnatural, and just gross-looking, to be quite honest. If that's harsh, I'll work on my vocabulary and I'll come up with a more colorful way, a more... I don't know, non-divisive way to say that ugly people are, are ugly. But damn. It's like the architecture, you know, in the United States. It's ugly. Then you feel sad. It's how I look. That's how I feel when I look at, like, all of these ugly-ass men winning women's competitions. I'm like, you're ugly. So I'm sad. Just, it is what it is. Anyways, let's go into the Supreme Court because a lot of decisions were made. And then we'll wrap up the show here. Now, uh, a lot of big things happened last week. The Supreme Court struck down, I think actually this was at the end of June, my apologies. The Supreme Court struck down Biden's student loan forgiveness plan, which hand claps all around. We're all very happy about because again, I don't want to pay for your student loan debt. I paid my student loan debt off, so pay yours off. I didn't tell you to go to a school and rack up $200,000 in student loan debt, which by the way, if you're going to be racking up that much student loan debt, you better be an engineer, a doctor, or a lawyer and very well able to pay that back. Now, my favorite part about this is that you had um, bleeding heart liberals like Alessandra Biaghi, who is a um, former New York state senator, okay, who says, in 2012, I graduated from Fordham Law School, and I had $180,000 in student loan debt. I've been paying my loan for 11 years. I even paid two of them off completely. But it's 2023. And my balance is $206,000. So she tweeted this out in response to Biden's student loan forgiveness being struck down. And my favorite part about this tweet is that it came out immediately after that this woman lives in a $1 million home in New York. And that's it right there, ladies and gentlemen. That is why millennials and anybody else who has student loan debt can't pay it off because they choose not to pay it off because they chose to make a bad financial decision. And you know what? Even I can even see the argument as well of like, okay, it's very predatory that loan companies target young kids and that kids are indoctrinated to think that they need this prestigious degree from a prestigious school and rack up all of this debt to get a job one day when that isn't true. But also we are living in the age of information where anybody who wants to break out of the matrix, if you will, anybody who wants to understand how to go to school and not be in debt has the ability. You ever heard of Dave Ramsey? He has a podcast. If you have two ears, you can listen to it. If you're deaf, you have two eyeballs, you can read it. If you're deaf and blind like Helen Keller, freaking read some Braille then and figure it out. 
just saying there's options there. We live in the age of information. So to Alessandra Biaghi, uh, you're an idiot and it's your own it's your own fault that you're still in student loan debt because instead of paying off your debts, you want to cry and complain and live in a million dollar mansion and then ask all of us hardworking Americans to take our money, all of us who are responsible, by the way, and actually paid off our debts and um use that to pay off your bad financial decisions. No, thank you. What else did the Supreme Court do? Yes, my friends, they struck down college affirmative action programs, which was great because this was basically like institutionalized racism, if you will. I don't even know if like what the actual definition of, of institutionalized racism would be, but in my own definition, this is what it would be, right? Um, meaning that institutions... It was embedded in said institutions to be racist towards specific people because of their race and skin color, right? So if you were white, if you were Asian, you weren't really going to be accepted into Harvard or Stanford because uh, you weren't the right skin color. But if you were black, you were going to go ahead and get a fast track to that. Now, another fun thing that the Supreme Court struck down, and that should never have been implemented in the first place because it's just an outright racist policy, if we're being quite honest. We do live in a meritocracy. If you work hard in the United States, you can gain the fruit of your labor. I agree that not everybody starts off on the same foot, but guess what? If you work hard and you have a positive mindset and you keep trying, no matter how many times you get knocked down, I promise you, you can make it in the United States of America. I promise you. Okay. I've heard way too many success stories in this country. And I myself am one. When I started out in this career, I was an idiot who was making $35,000 a year. I'm doing quite well now. Somebody in the comments said that my net worth was $2 million. Um, I don't know if they were referring to me. If they were, I wish it was $2 million. I don't think I've even seen $1 million in my life. I don't even think I've seen half a million or a quarter million in my life. But anyways, the point is, is if I really wanted to, I could work my butt off and get there. And so could each and every single one of you that is listening to this stream because that is the beauty of America. But of course, you had those same liberals trying to just talk about how horrific this decision was. And one of my favorites was Elizabeth Warren, who said, an extremist Supreme Court has once again reversed decades of settled law, rolled back the march toward racial justice, and narrowed educational opportunity for all. I won't stop fighting for young people with big dreams who deserve an equal chance to pursue their future. Okay, my favorite response comes from Dana Lash, who said, you literally filled out forms by your own hand where you cited American Indian as your race at U of Pennsylvania, Harvard, the Association of American Law Schools, and your 1986 Texas Bar Registration Card. They falsely advertised you as a minority in faculty directories. Sit down. Yeah. So even the white woman was trying to take advantage of the affirmative action because she even realized, like, damn, this is kind of racist. If I really want to make it in this racist-ass system, I got to pretend that I'm a minority. And she did. And she did. She took advantage of the system. All right. What else is going on here? Oh, yeah. By the way, uh, just some of the aftermath of affirmative action here. A teen accepted to Stanford after writing hashtag Black Lives Matter 100 times on an application. That was affirmative action in practice. And uh, I think the best argument against affirmative action is basically the entire administration right now. It's like they're all affirmative action hires, and we can see it every single day. Pete Buttigieg, affirmative action hire. Our infrastructure is crumbling. Kamala Harris, affirmative action hire, cannot form a coherent sentence and has no more than three thoughts at a time. 
Corrine Jean-Pierre, affirmative action hire, going to have to refer you to somebody else because she does not know the answer. So one of my favorite responses to come out of the strike down of affirmative action as well. Joy Reid, I got into Harvard because of affirmative action. Honey, we know. You didn't have to roast yourself that hard, but I guess. And uh, another beautiful end to Pride Month was uh, the Supreme Court ruling in favor of a Christian web designer saying that she doesn't have to host LGBTQ wedding sites. Now, a lot of people would counter this and say, well, you shouldn't use your religion to be hateful. Okay, you shouldn't use your religion to be hateful either. Yeah, I'm talking to you, LGBTQ members. You guys use your cult to target and attack people just like you did with the baker, the Christian baker in Colorado. And that's why you're upset about this right now, because guess what? We do live in the United States of America, and I'm sure that there's 10 other web designers that would gladly take your money and create a website for you. But because you want people to bow down to you and because you don't want them to have the right to religious freedom, the right to their own opinion, the right to refuse business or service to anyone, you try to use the government institutions in place to impede on other people's freedoms, but it's not going to work. So great job to the Supreme Court. Uh, by the way, it was the one-year anniversary of the overturn of Roe v. Wade, and many people were upset about that. CNN put this tweet out, a strict abortion law that took effect in Texas in 2021 may have led to nearly 10,000 more births than expected in the last nine months of 2022 according to research published in the Journal of JAMA. So, of course, this taking place before the overturn of Roe v. Wade, but uh, very interesting how CNN phrased the saving of 10,000 babies' lives. It's like, oh yeah, 10,000 more people were allowed to live than expected. Now, going back to the one-year anniversary of the overturn of Roe v. Wade, I just want to play this video for you and we'll wrap the show about the dangers facing every single American woman's life, woman's life. Now that Roe has been overturned for an entire year. It's been one whole year since Roe v. Wade was overturned. Which means they've been making abortion illegal all over the place. So these are dark times. These are dark times. Dark times. Dark times. Un tiempo muy oscuro. Because now, now that Roe v. Wade is overturned, a woman can get pregnant just from having sex. I'm now seriously considering going down the dangerous path of abstinence until marriage. I find myself in this really bizarre state where I'm asking guys about things like their values and trustworthiness before sleeping with them. Before a girl will have sex with me now, she's asking me all these dumb questions like, do you love me? And what happens if I get pregnant? And do you have a job? Like, I don't know. Abortion being illegal where I live has definitely raised the bar for which men I'll date and have sex with. And that's a terrible thing. It used just stop the video. It's too much. It's too much. I just, I know that was horrific for all of us to see, but this is the reality for every woman living in America now. I just, I am honestly just baffled that if you have sex, you can have a baby and you can't kill it now on demand in every single state across the United States. It's just, it's absolutely horrific that uh, we live in a country that allows innocent children to live. <sighs> Anyways, guys, that's all I got for you on this episode of Rapid Fire. I forgot to plug it at the beginning. So please remember, if you do like the show, it is supported by you guys. One of the easiest ways to support is by checking out my subscribe star, which is linked down below. Also, let me know in the comments because I might start subscriptions on Twitter. And I'll actually be better about posting that. Subscribe star doesn't have an app, so it was hard for me to put like videos and photos on that platform. 
So I'm thinking of starting Twitter subscriptions and actually putting up behind the scene content for you guys, you know, talking about issues that I don't really feel like are important enough to talk about on my platforms, but I'm so interested in like Pearl Davis, right? She's been garnering so much attention for her takes on women. I have an interesting take on it, I think. So maybe I'll, you know, start subs on Twitter, put that there. Could be another way to support me, or you can go to subscribe star. Link is down below. Or you guys can go leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you do like the show. We are almost at 600 reviews. I read every single one, and I absolutely love and adore them. Please remember to go follow me on Rumble as well, as YouTube likes to censor our show quite a bit. And uh, thank you guys so much for being patient with me. While I was on my three-week hiatus, I promise I will get this show to you when I can. Thank you for being patient with me in the meantime. My name is Savannah Hernandez, and I will see you guys next time.